Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Three, two, one. But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale oh, man, Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here. 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 Sports Podcast presented by Veteran Sportsbook. It is Wednesday, February 15th, 2023. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody had a great Valentine's Day. I told you, get those chocolates, get those flowers, get those cards, people. Hope everybody had a great Valentine's Day. Hope everybody's ready for a fun midweek, mid-February edition of the Aaron Torres Pod. Cannot believe I am saying this. Two weeks from today, it will be March. But anyway, we got a loaded show today as we hit the back half of February. Going to open Pac-12 Interesting story here. So everybody's focused. There's reports about who they may or may not be pursuing an expansion. But did you see this report from The Athletic? It could actually be the opposite. Not who they are pursuing. But is this league on the brink of collapse? I think it's it's a house of cars that's ready to blow over. I am going to explain what is going on behind the scenes. From there, we'll take a quick break. Speaking of expansion, there was a very interesting twist in the Texas-Oklahoma story. Did you see what Barry Switzer said about Oklahoma? He crushed them. Incredible quotes from the former Oklahoma coach. We're going to discuss that. And then we'll wrap with a little bit of college hoops. I thought Tuesday was a little bit of a quieter night in college basketball. So rather than react to some second-tier games, Duke played Notre Dame. Who cares? Kansas played Oklahoma State. Okay, Oklahoma State's actually pretty good. But I bring it all up to say, I think rather than doing that, What I want to do instead is focus on the future. And what I want to do, about a year or so ago, I did the five teams that I believe were built to win a national championship. Do it again today. Not saying these are the only teams that can win it, but we will go through the five teams that I believe are best built to win the national championship. So fun show, a lot of realignment, a little bit of Barry Switzer. Who saw that one coming? And then we'll wrap with some college hoops. But with that said, Let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, listen, if you love college sports, and I think you probably do if you listen to this show, the never-ending topic of college sports that never, it just won't die. I, of course, am talking about college realignment, conference realignment, and expansion. Obviously, this all started Texas, Oklahoma to the SEC. From there, there's a trickle-down effect there. The Big Ten makes their new move. The Big 12 makes their move. And as of right now, Everyone's waiting on, is the Pac-12 going to make a move? And so we're going to get into it in a minute. But last week, there was a report that the Pac-12 was visiting one school specifically that is not in the Pacific time zone, which is very interesting. But what then happened was that The Athletic did a very good report kind of painting the picture on the present and future of the Pac-12. It's a lot bleaker than I think a lot of people realize. And so the question to me isn't if the Pac-12 is going to expand. It's if the Pac-12, as we know it, is going to be able to hold on for dear life. And so let's get into it. Let's get into the details. First of all, I think everybody kind of knows Pac-12 right now is a group of 10 teams that essentially really have nobody but each other, okay? USC and UCLA leave last spring. It was June 30th, I believe, that they announced they were leaving for the Big Ten. All the other schools essentially realize that nobody wants them. Even the, the Oregons and Washingtons realize 
The Big Ten is not interested. If they wanted us, they would have reached out to us. And so these schools are trying to figure things out together, all while trying to figure out a TV deal that would also bind them together. As of right now, and this is important, and we're going to get back to it in a minute, the Big Ten, Big Tw- uh, Pac-12, excuse me, their TV deal expires after the 2023-2024 school year. So essentially, next year we'll have the Pac-12 as we know it, then USC and UCLA leave, obviously after the spring sports are completed. And as of right now, the Pac-12 does not have a TV deal in place. But while all of this is going on, the Pac-12 is starting to ramp up things in terms of expansion. The big story last week, and I'm sure many of you saw it, I had a few people text me, not text, but DM me and ask me, are you going to talk about this, was that last week, Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov actually kind of caught, got his hand caught in the cookie jar. We found out that he was planning on visiting SMU, and as it turned out, he was in fact seen at SMU, and SMU is seen as a viable candidate for expansion for the Pac-12. Right now, the Pac-12 has 10 teams. We believe, for all intents and purposes, San Diego State, if the Pac-12 expands, San Diego State is a lock. They're in Southern California, brand new football stadium. The basketball arena, the basketball program is rolling. They would step in and automatically be 1A to Arizona's 1 in terms of the two best basketball programs in that league. And so we've known for a while San Diego State is a priority. What we found out last week was that SMU has now become priority number two. Commissioner was seen there, and the reason the Pac-12 is interested is the obvious, right? Um, it's a smaller school, but it's it's a very prestigious academic school, actually. The endowment is huge, which sounded weird, but neither here nor there. Um, boosters are, are, let's just say, willing to support their athletic programs, especially football. From a recruiting perspective, it would get the conference into Texas. You could go from Dallas all the way to San Diego, all the way north to Seattle, and cover most of the western half of the United States. So that was the report. San Diego State, SMU are the two schools of interest. Those are who the Pac-12 wants. There was just one problem with all of that, though. While that report was going on, The Athletic released a report late last week that painted a pretty bleak picture for where the Pac-12 is right now in terms of their TV negotiations. And again, I know I just said it, but this is really important to explain how we got here and where we are. The Pac-12, the 10 schools remaining, the two Oregon schools, Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, Cal Berkeley and Stanford, that's six. Arizona, Arizona State is seven, eight. Colorado, Utah, nine, 10. As of right now, they do not have a TV deal. And so what the athletic report really peeled back, credit to all of the people there that were working on it, is that the pursuit of the Pac-12's next TV deal from the people that would be interested, it really just isn't there. And so this is what the athletic reported. This is kind of what you need to know. One Part of this is on the commissioner, George Klyovkov. Last year, whether it was a a public kind of a confidence, whatever, or whatever, he kind of publicly said, we expect to get real money from these TV networks in light of the Big Ten getting their big TV deal. The Big Ten gets a lot of money, and we believe that we are next in line to do so. Well, a couple things happened. One, the Big 12, very smartly, the Big 12 also has a new conference commissioner, Brett Yormark, and we're going to talk about him more in a minute. They rushed their rights to market, okay? So what they did was their contracts weren't up for another year until 2025. They went to their two partners, ESPN and Fox, and said, can we renegotiate on the spot? We know there's no Texas, Oklahoma. We'll take a little bit less or maybe a little bit below market value just to lock in our contract. So now all of a sudden you do some math. Pac-12 already wasn't as valuable as, uh, you know, some of these other conferences, the SEC and the Big Ten most notably. The ACC has their contract locked in forever. And the Big 12 just went to market and sold their deal. And I'm sorry if this is kind of nerdy, but I think it's important to set the tone. So what ends up happening is the market for the Pac-12 really isn't that great. And most of the bidders or would-be bidders, they're kind of already 
signed up and they have their contracts and they're not looking to add more. So as an example, Fox is set with the Big Ten, with the Big 12 now, and with the Mountain West. Because they have the Mountain West, because they have USC and UCLA, they don't really need a lot of games in that late window. They're kind of already set there. Uh, CBS, remember, after this year, they will phase out of the SEC. They will have the Big Ten, and they will also have the Mountain West. NBC, if you remember, will also have the Big Ten, and they will have Notre Dame, and they are not looking to add anything else. And so when you take out Fox and you take out CBS and you take out NBC, not great at, you know, uh, 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 I'm not a, a media consultant expert here. Not a lot of bidders. ESPN is interested because ESPN wants that late night window filled, that 1030 Eastern time window. But they know there's no other competition, so they're not going to overpay. And so far, the streaming services, which have invested, Amazon's invested millions of hundreds of millions, billions in the NFL. Uh, Apple has invested hundreds of millions in the MLS. The streamers are interested, but they're not willing to go crazy above board either. And so, again, I'm not an economist. I'm not a, a media consulting expert. But when you don't have a lot of bidders and the bidders that you do have are not willing to overpay, it's going to be hard to close a deal. And all of this is happening, and I think this is the interesting part. All of this is happening while the Big 12 is being very aggressive. So keep in mind, the Pac-12, none of these schools are committed to anybody beyond next spring of 2024. So about 14, 15 months from now. All of this is going on while the Big 12 is very aggressive. The Big 12, under their new commissioner, has already locked in their next TV deal. They've basically said to Oklahoma and Texas, we don't care how valuable you are. We're moving on without you. Get out. And also, we know, and we talked about this on the show a few months back, they're very actively pursuing Gonzaga as a basketball-only member. Well, in pursuit of that aggression, they're also very actively pursuing some schools in the Pac-12. Most notably... They are pursuing the four, what they call the corner schools, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah. They're trying to sell them. Hey, we know what our contract is. We know what it's worth. And I'm not sure that those schools are listening yet, but I think they're going to have to start. Oregon and Washington could be appealing as well. And so all of this is the back channel of what you need to know. Don't get caught up in the SMU headline, because what's much more interesting is if the Pac-12 is going to get a deal done that keeps their schools happy and keeps these schools together. Now, if you ask my personal opinion, I will be consistent with what I've said from the beginning. I believe that the 10 remaining schools want to stay together. They don't want to be part of some Midwest conglomerate with uh, Oklahoma, uh, Texas Tech, Baylor, whatever. But at some point, they're going to run out of options and say, we need to start seriously considering it. And I do wonder... If it only takes one school to say, you know what, we can't wait any longer, we're making the plunge. Would it be Utah? Would Oregon and Washington, who seem to be tied at the hip, Arizona and Arizona State seem to be tied at the hip? And some recent reporting, I think it was Jason Shear, my buddy that covers Arizona, says that for the first time, Arizona State's seriously considering this. And so I bring it up to very simply say this. I think if I had to bet anything, it's that the Pac-12 does stick together probably adds those two schools, SMU and San Diego State, and that they get some sort of TV deal done with a streaming service, with ESPN for a select few games for that 1030 Eastern window. But I think it's far from done. And beyond being far from done, the Pac-12 has to move quickly. The Pac-12, I believe, has until basically probably the end of basketball season, like mid-April, late April, to present something tangible to its schools before they start looking around. I don't think you want to enter the summer when all the chaos of realignment happens without having figured out what your TV deal is. So again, if I had to bet, I think that they're staying together, but the head, the commissioner of the big of the PAC 12, George Klyovkov, he needs to get his teams, his 10 schools. Where are we being distributed? How much are you getting paid? 
How long is the contract? They need those answers now. And if I was that media, if I was the consultant of the Pac-12 conference, one, I would have made a lot of changes at this point. But get that deal done ASAP, because if you don't, your school is going to start looking around. Forget the SMU headline. That doesn't matter. SMU can get out of anything if there's no conference. Pac-12 has got to get a deal done. They got to get it done right now. That's what I want to do. Take a quick break. When I come back, another interesting conference realignment story. Did you see what Barry Switzer went off on Oklahoma about their move to the SEC? Is it the right move? We're going to take a quick break. Discuss that next. All right, we're getting back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. By now, you know Betfred's story started in 1967 in the UK. Over 1,600 shops in the UK have come to the United States and made a major splash. They are the presenting sponsor of the Cincinnati Bengals, Colorado Rockies, Denver Broncos. And what I love about working with Betfred, nobody does more for their customers than Betfred does. Okay, I've told you before, but I'm going to keep telling you. Cincinnati Bengals games, that Betfred suite is rocking. They had a New Year's Eve into New Year's Day party for the launch of sports betting in the state of Ohio. Shout out to all of you who were there. Obviously, beyond that, there is the Denver Broncos VIP tailgates. We have sent listeners of this show to those tailgates. Colorado Rockies, first pitch at those games. Betfred does more for their customers than anybody, and here is what they are doing. For listeners of the Aaron Torres podcast, okay, it's what you got to do. Bet 50 on any game and new users. How about this? Get up to $1,000 in free bets. There are no catches. There are no gimmicks. Here's what you need to know. Bet 50 on any game. You get automatically $111 in free bets. But beyond that, you get $200 insurance on your first five weeks as a Betfred customer. So you decided, hey, I'm going to bet this big game, 100 bucks, 200 bucks, whatever. You end up losing it. They're going to insure you for that game. So up to five weeks, up to $200, plus $111 for signing up for Betfred today. You're going to want to do it. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app. Tell them Torres sent you. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, the Betfred Sportsbook. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody. I'm back. Going to be back. Going to be back. I do want to switch gears, but not really switch gears, because I saw a story that, to me, was very, very, very interesting. Um, that had to do a lot with the realignment stuff, sort of, that we just talked about, but kind of a different twist on it, and certainly a very prominent person speaking out about the biggest realignment story of, of this, you know, time frame, which is Oklahoma, Texas. And so, obviously, look, you know, we just talked Pac-12, but this all started July 2021, SEC Media Days. We all remember where we were when we found out that Texas and Oklahoma, oh, it's headed towards the finish line. Texas and Oklahoma out of nowhere, are leaving for the SEC. And so we all did our reactions at the time, and it's obviously led to a trickle-down since then. Texas and Oklahoma leave. The Big 12 replaces them with a couple teams. The AAC then has to replace Houston and Cincinnati and Central Florida. Uh, the Big 10 adds USC and UCLA. Now the Pac-12 is trying to figure out what they do, what they're doing. But it all started with Oklahoma and Texas. And it really... Um, came full circle over the last couple days with the news that Texas and Oklahoma are now headed to the SEC a year ahead of schedule. We're supposed to be there in 2025. We find out last week that they are now headed in 2024. 
And of course, when that happened, it led to another round of conversation about Texas, Oklahoma, with everybody kind of sharing their opinions. Do you like it? Do you not like it? How are they going to compete? All that good stuff. It's something we talked about on this show. It's something I'm sure any show that you watched or consumed or listened to over the last five, six days has talked about. Texas and Oklahoma are leaving. They're leaving a year ahead of schedule. What does it mean? Everybody's sharing an opinion, but there was one very interesting opinion that came out over the last couple of days that I do want to talk about. It came from a very prominent person in the Oklahoma community, and he said a lot of the same stuff that I've said on this show, that if I lived in Norman, Oklahoma, I don't know if I would have the guts to say. But the quotes came from none other than Barry Switzer. And I think most people kind of know, but Barry Switzer, iconic Oklahoma football coach, was there for 15 years as a head coach. Just as a head coach, he was there 15 years. Multiple national championships, multiple Heisman trophies, all that good stuff. Uh, went to the Dallas Cowboys. He's now retired. He's actually in his mid-80s, which kind of blew me away. Uh, very engaging personality. I had the chance to interview him once. He's funny. He's engaging. He has an incredible memory. But more than anything, he just tells it exactly like it is. Well, on Monday, he was asked by the Tulsa World about his opinions on the move by Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC, and he did not hold back. Here is what Barry Switzer had to say about Oklahoma and Texas's move to the SEC. He said, I'm concerned. I know what it'll look like. It'll look like facing Texas every week. Now, quick aside, he's obviously saying Texas is pretty much the best team in theory that we're supposed to be playing every year. Now we're going to be playing Texas every week. So he continued. He said, you've got to be good. I don't know if we're good enough right now. We'll have to get better on defense. He continued. It's going to be hard to do. I'm concerned. I want someone to raise their hand in a couple years and say, I'm the one who took us to the SEC. I don't know who made the decision, how it was made, or who was involved. He continued. Was asked about Lincoln Riley's departure from Oklahoma to USC. He said, yeah, I think it's one of the major reasons that he left, talking about the SEC. He wasn't involved in the decision, so he got the you-know-what out of here. You-know-what is short for an expletive. Finally, Barry Switzer said, and this is the money quote as far as I'm concerned. He said, why is Oklahoma going to the SEC? Money. Why did Lincoln Riley leave? Money. How about Barry Switzer, out of left field, 85 years old, just throwing himself into the middle of the headlines? But I'll say this. I think it is a very interesting quote, and I think if you give true serum to Oklahoma fans, I think a lot of them probably feel the same way. So let's talk about it. Let's break it down, and let me start by just saying this. Oklahoma fan, by the way, if an Oklahoma fan is mad at me or mad at Barry Switzer, I understand, because this story to me is something that I talk about so often on this show. Two things in Life can be true, even if they seemingly don't make sense. And I think the Oklahoma-Texas thing is exactly that. On the one hand, not only do I understand why Oklahoma left for the Big 12, left the Big 12 for the SEC, I don't really think they had a choice. They didn't really have a choice for a couple of reasons. One, if you stay, I get it. Now, I, you know, I'm a fan, so I would have wanted to stay because you're dominating the Big 12. Every year you're competing at the highest level minus this past year. But basically you stay in the big 12, even without Texas, you're the best program by a mile and you're in great position to win it every single year. That sounds great on paper, but it's not reality. And once Texas leaves, you, you, you kind of have to leave for a couple of reasons. One, we didn't know at the time what the future of college football was. Um, if you, if you stay behind and the big 12 falls apart, then what do you do? Beyond that, we didn't know there was a 12-team playoff. We didn't know if the Big 12 would be considered almost an afterthought if the Big, if the SEC or Big 10 expanded beyond those teams. And there was, of course, the financial component to it, right? It's easy for me to sit here and say, say you should have stayed and dominated the Big 12. Just one problem. I'm not the one that has to turn down 35 or $40 million in TV revenue to do so. Most of these SEC schools are going to make like $70 million a year once the new contract kicks in. The Big 12 is going to make probably in the 35 to $40 million range. By the way, you know the TV contracts are good in the SEC when Oklahoma and Texas are willing to forfeit $50 million apiece to get to the SEC ahead of schedule. So I get why it was done. It was done for the overall health of the entire athletic department. We don't know what the future of college sports is going to look like. 
we know if you're in the SEC, you're not only going to be safe, you're going to be making money hand over fist. The problem is, and this is my problem anytime we talk about these realignment things, I get that it's about money. Barry Switzer said that it was about money. It makes perfect sense. The problem is, you know who doesn't get any of that money? It's the fans. And if you're a fan, I think whether you want to admit it or not, there's something to be said about what Barry Switzer said. You can stay in the Big 12 and you can dominate, or you can head to the SEC into the great unknown. And the bottom line, what I always come back to is this. I understand that these decisions are about money. I get why they are made. But fans don't see any of the money. You know who see the money? Administrators. They get a nice raise and a new office and a new corporate car and a new golf membership. Great for them. Great if you're the AD at Oklahoma. Great if you're the associate AD at Oklahoma. Great if you're whoever. Great if you're a head coach. You're going to get a raise. You're going to make more money. If you get fired, you're going to get a crazy buyout. Great if you're a coordinator. You're going to get more money there. Great if you uh, you know, are in charge of facilities or resources or travel or accommodations or meals or whatever. It doesn't help the fans, though. And the one thing I would be concerned about is exactly what Barry Switzer said. What does all the money in the world do if you're not winning football games? And that's something that I don't think any of the decision makers ever think about when it comes to these realignment decisions. I've talked about it many times, but I'll give you an example. I think this is the best example in recent realignment of the cost-benefit analysis of, if you will, of deciding to leave a conference that you've called home. Think about a school like the University of Maryland, okay? And I I, I know most of you aren't Maryland fans. You probably don't care that much about Maryland. But Maryland, and I've used this example many times, they were the first school that I can ever remember that flat out when they switched conferences, they said, oh, no, 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 this is about money. It's not about sports. It's about money. Well, Maryland is now out of the red and very comfortably into the black in terms of the amount of money the school is producing for, for sports in the Big Ten. There's just one problem. Maryland's kind of in no no man's land as an athletic department. I've said it many times, but as crazy as it sounds, Maryland, in most of our lifetimes, has won an ACC title. They won ACC titles in this century, the last 20, 22, 23 years. They were the best team in the ACC. And if you're the best team in the ACC, you know, as a fan, you can enjoy it. In this new world of a 12-team playoff, you're going to get into that playoff, maybe even get a bye. And obviously in basketball, Maryland was a power. Maryland was one of the best programs in the country. Won the national title in 2000, 2002. I'm sorry, I was tripping over my own words there. They won it in 2002. So think about 20 years ago if you're a Maryland fan. A football team that's competing for conference championships every year. A basketball team that's literally winning national titles. Now you're in the Big Ten. You've lost all your basketball rivals. So all those games that your fans got fired up for, Duke, Carolina, Virginia, Virginia Tech, whoever, they're not on the schedule anymore. And Michigan's cool, and Ohio State's cool, and Wisconsin's cool, and Iowa's cool, and Minnesota's cool, but it's not Duke, it's not Carolina, it's not those teams that you grew up rooting against. That's gone. You know what else is gone? Maryland basically ever competing at the highest level in football again. Now, were they ever going to be good enough to win a national championship? I don't know. What I do know is in the ACC, they were competitive. As I said, they won conference championships in the ACC. Now you're in the Big Ten. And I think I can safely say, I don't think Maryland is ever going to win a Big Ten championship in football in my lifetime. Because for Maryland to win a Big Ten championship in football, they're going to need to be better than Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, USC and UCLA going for it. For one year, they're going to have to be better than all of those teams. And they're probably going to have to beat three or four of them on the way to a title. Now, I don't even know if they can, by the way, I don't even know if they can make a playoff. The play, Remember, the playoff is now going to be 12 teams. Top three teams in the Big Ten are going to get in. They're going to have to be better than Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, uh, USC, UCLA, Wisconsin, Nebraska. I mean, even if finish in third place to get into the playoff. And so what was the benefit of Maryland? You made all this money. But are your fans happy? Are they enjoying it more? And to bring it back to Oklahoma, it's what Barry Switzer said. It's all about the money, but I'm concerned. You've got to be good. I don't know if we're good enough right now. We'll have to get better on defense. And so if you're an Oklahoma fan, it's great. You're going to make all this money. You're going to have all these great games on the schedule. But how great is it if you're not winning any of them? I get it. It's fun. It's cool. 
that you've replaced Iowa State and Kansas State with now LSU and Florida or Alabama and LSU or Alabama and Texas A&M or Texas A&M and, and LSU, whatever. But what is the fun in that if you're not winning any of those games? Now, I'm not saying Oklahoma can't get there. What I am saying is the path is much tougher. I said it the night of the national championship game. TCU made a national title this year out of the Big 12. The biggest loser, I thought, was Oklahoma. Because if Oklahoma had stayed in the Big 12, now in the 12-team playoff era, remember, the top five leagues are going to get an automatic bid to the to the uh, top six teams, excuse me. Our top six league champions are going to get an automatic bid into a 12-team college football playoff. Oklahoma would have essentially gotten an automatic bid every year, and most years they would have gotten one of those top four seeds, which would have given them a number one, which would have given them a first-round buy. Now, they might make the playoff, but are they are they going to be better than Alabama, Texas, Texas A&M, Auburn, Florida, LSU, Georgia, all in one year to win the SEC? It's probably not going to happen. Now, I said I don't think Maryland will ever win a conference title in, in football ever again in my life. I can't say that about Oklahoma, but it's a lot tougher. And so I give Barry Switzer credit for saying what he said because it's really unpopular, but I happen to agree. The Lincoln-Riley stuff, I'll mention this really quick. I think he's dead right on Lincoln-Riley too. I said it the day that it happened. Everyone said, oh, Lincoln-Riley is afraid of the SEC. He's not afraid of the SEC, but he knows what Oklahoma's up against. He understands that he went from dominating Texas and Texas Tech and Iowa State and I and Kansas and Kansas State now he's got instead of Kansas and Iowa State in back-to-back weeks he's got at LSU and Georgia at home he's got Georgia at home and Florida on the road he's got Florida on the road and Tennessee at home that's a really really tough ask of anybody and I think Lincoln Riley smartly got out of there so I credit Barry Switzer and I think there is a lot of truth to what he said give him credit not easy to say I think Oklahoma, I said it on Thursday. I said it on Thursday when we found out Oklahoma was going to the SEC a year ahead of schedule. I said, I think the single biggest loser is Brent Venables because that rebuild just got moved up a year and he's got to get that program going in the right direction. I just want to do, take a quick break, come back. When we come back, this is what I'm going to do. Something fun. So college basketball, Tuesday wasn't a huge night. So rather than just break down games, this is what I want to do. I want to go through the the five teams that I believe are best built to win a title this year. This year is as wide open as I can ever remember it, but I have narrowed it down to five teams that I think are built to win it all. We're going to take a quick break. Talk about those teams. We'll be right back. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. Do want to wrap? A little bit of college hoops. And so Tuesday night and really the last couple of days, they were a little bit of a quieter stretch in college basketball, right? And we're really starting to also get to the point where you kind of know what the narratives are as we get closer to March. That doesn't mean if there's a big upset, we're not going to talk about it. But 
North Carolina lost to Miami at home on Monday night. I've already done like three segments on why North Carolina stinks, you know, got to figure it out, all that good stuff. You don't need me to do another one of those. Same with some of the things that happened on Tuesday night. You just, you don't need 11 minutes of Torres yelling about Providence Creighton. Okay, you just don't. I'm sorry. Unless maybe you're a Creighton or Providence fan, and even then I don't think you do. And so I bring it up for this simple reason, is that rather than just kind of going game by game and talking about what's going on, what I wanted to do was kind of a bigger picture, kind of midweek, mid-February, we're literally at the halfway point of February, overview on where we are in college hoops, and really specifically, like, Who's actually good and who can win a national championship? And so I thought about this segment for this reason. It was about a year ago that I did a segment called the five. The, it was called the only five teams that can win college basketball's national championship. So I went through the five teams that I believed were capable of winning it at this time last year. This year, though, I can't really do that segment because I think there's more than five that can actually win it. TCU, if they get healthy, can win it. Kansas, I think, under the right circumstances, can win it. There are teams outside of the top 10, maybe the top 15, if they can get healthy and get right, I think can win it. And so I don't want to do the only five teams that can actually win it because this year it does feel like it's more wide open. One of my big pet peeves. I I, 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 I generally don't think this sport is as wide open as people make it out to be, but this might be the year that it is. So I figured rather than do the five teams that the only five teams that can win it, what I want to do tonight is instead the teams that I believe are in best position and best built to win it. Doesn't mean that they're going to win it. Obviously, only team, only one team is going to. But right now, here late in the season, who are the five teams that I believe are best built to win the national championship? Let me tell you, there's some surprise teams on this list and some surprise teams maybe even that are not on this list. And so let's get to it. Number five. Five best teams built, five teams best built to win the national championship at number five. Drum roll, please. Maybe a little bit of a surprise. I think it's the Arizona Wildcats. And listen, do I think Arizona is going to win the national championship? I don't. They're a little too inconsistent for my opinion. Lost at home to Washington State. Lost to Oregon the other day. Lost to uh, Stanford the other day. So they kind of play up and down to their competition. But when you talk about teams that are good enough, teams that have all the pieces. Tell me what Arizona doesn't do that you need to win the national championship. First of all, they have the resume to prove they're capable of beating anybody. Out of conference, they beat Tennessee at home. Out of conference, beat Indiana on a neutral. Out of conference, beat Creighton on a neutral. Out of conference, beat uh, San Diego State on a neutral. They beat UCLA at home since conference play started. They beat USC at home since conference play started. If you can beat UCLA, Indiana, Tennessee, uh, Creighton, San Diego State, you're good enough to beat anybody in college basketball. Okay, so that's one. But two, I actually like the pieces. You need a veteran point guard traditionally, historically, to win in the NCAA tournament. Arizona has that in a kid named Kirk Creason. 13 points per game, six assists per game, 38 per, or 37% three-point shooter. And listen, can he be a little inconsistent at times? Can he be a little bit emotional at times? He can be, but again, Name me five teams that are going to have a better point guard going into the NCAA tournament than Arizona will. You need three-point shooting. They can do that 37% as a team. You need a bucket down low. Asulis Tubelis might be the most underrated player in college basketball. 21 points per game, eight rebounds. I think he had, four, what, 42 points the other night, like about 10 days or so ago. Almost broke the McHale uh, Center scoring record. That's how good he is. Umar Balo down low. So you have shooting, you have rim protection, you have size, you have rebounding, you have scoring. And that's one of the big keys on Arizona as well. I think it is easier in a tournament setting. If somebody slows you down to be able to win a close, low scoring game, if you're a high scoring team, than it is to have to score points if somebody drags you into a high scoring game. Not totally sure if that made sense, but I'll give you the example, the obvious one, right? Virginia. We all love them. They won a national championship, but that was a year where the offense was much better than it had been. And they've lost a lot of games in the tournament where they just don't score enough to get the wins. And so when I look at Arizona, do I think they're going to win the national championship? Probably not. But do I think they're built in a way that they're capable of it? I absolutely do. Arizona is at number five. At number four, I don't know if this one will surprise you or not. I think it's the Baylor Bears. Baylor, early in the season, dealt with injuries. They had a couple weird losses, but I'll also say this. 
some of the losses that looked weird early in the season, they're not nearly as weird now as they were at the time. Baylor got run out of the gym by Marquette earlier this season. That looked like a weird loss on paper. Then we find out that Marquette's freaking awesome. They lost early in conference play at Iowa State. Iowa State's awesome. They lost to TCU at home. TCU's awesome. And so where I give Baylor credit, most of their losses don't look that bad. They don't have a single bad loss on their resume when you actually break it down. Beyond that, though, they've gotten healthy at the right time. And I like how their pieces fit. I told you just a second ago, to win in March, what do you need? Great guard play. Arizona or uh, Baylor, excuse me, probably has the best backcourt in all of college basketball. Baylor has three legitimately awesome guards. Keontae George, the freshman, averaging 16.5 points per game, 4.5 rebounds, 3 assists, 34% three-point shooter. Adam Flagler, he was part of that title team two years ago, stepping up as a veteran, 16 points, 5 assists, 42% from three. And then I think the X factor here is a kid named LJ Cryer, okay? So LJ Cryer was a player in high school put up absurd stats. He averaged like 43 points a game or something like that in high school gets to Baylor as a freshman is behind all those great players. Jared Butler, Macy Oteague, uh, who else? Uh, who was the other guy? Why am I blanking on his name? Davion Mitchell plays with the Sacramento Kings. Now last year he gets hurt this year. Now he is just finally starting to come back and he's starting to look like the guy that he was in high school, 15 points per game, 43% from three. And he has been fantastic in their most recent games. 26 points against West Virginia, 23 against TCU, 19 at Texas a few weeks ago. And that's the thing about Baylor is they are getting better and they are getting healthier at the right time. Quietly, this team has won, and I don't think a lot of people know this, 10 of their last 11 in the toughest conference in college basketball. Not a bad run from Baylor. Uh, by the way, I mentioned they get it, that they're getting healthier. Jonathan Chamachachua, another big guy, another holdover from their tournament uh, championship team two years ago. He is back healthy. I really like this Baylor team. Those guards are really good, and I think this team is really poised for success in March. Now, the one caveat, I will say, their final stretch of their games is brutal, okay? So the final stretch of their games is this. This Saturday, they play at Kansas, then at K-State on Tuesday, Texas at home, at Oklahoma State, Iowa State at home. That's essentially five NCAA tournament teams left on the regular season schedule, three of them on the road, two of them in two of the toughest environments in college basketball, Fog Allen Fieldhouse and Kansas State. I like Baylor, though. I think they have a chance to potentially win the national championship. Number three, a team that we really haven't talked about much, but I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm going back to the Pac-12. What's that old song? Back, back to Cali, Cali. I'm talking about the UCLA Bruins. And I've had a, a few UCLA fans like, Torres, you need to talk about my team more. And I'll say this for Mick Cronin, Big Mick Energy. I don't think a lot of people realize this team's 21-4 and four right now. And all their losses are legitimately awesome. Here are their losses this season. Baylor on a neutral court, Illinois on a neutral court, at USC, at Arizona. That's it. Zero bad losses, a bunch of good wins. They won at Maryland. Remember, Maryland has not lost a Big Ten home game yet. UCLA went into Maryland. By the way, that's going to be a Big Ten home game in about three years from now. UCLA went in there and smacked them. UCLA destroyed Kentucky. Uh, UCLA beat USC at home. They'll play Arizona later. But I just feel like this team is kind of under the radar. And then, oh, by the way, on Saturday night, they beat a red-hot Oregon team on the road at Oregon. That's actually a really good win. Oregon's a pretty good team this year. Um, as far as UCLA is concerned, listen, we all know Mick Cronin, defense toughness. But what I like about this team is that I like how all the pieces fit. One, and I think this is important, veteran guards, which we've talked about, Tiger Campbell. They have a lot of size down low and a lot of depth. And if you watch UCLA, I actually love how Mick Cronin uses his team. He's got two big guys, Mac Etienne and Kenneth Wamba, who are basically just in there to commit fouls. And so... Adem Bona, the five-star who plays for them, if he picks up a foul, Mick Cronin did this the other night against Oregon. Adem Bona picked up a foul in the first couple minutes. He didn't even wait for his second foul. He brought him to the bench, sent the other guys in, committed a couple fouls, brought Adem Bona back in. The one thing I would say about UCLA, and I do think this is important, they have to get healthy. They have to get 
consistency and health from Amari Bailey, their star freshman. Okay. So what I will say about UCLA, I do think they're a little bit limited offensively without Amari Bailey, Amari Bailey, the star freshman, he's been injured throughout a lot of the year, but when he's been healthy, he has really come on of late. He's averaging 11 points per game, but against Oregon state on Thursday night, this kid had 24 points for the UCLA Bruins. Again, I think they need him to be healthy because I don't know if they have enough scoring. But if he's healthy, I love how the pieces fit. I have UCLA at number three. And number two, this is going to surprise some of you. I think it's the Texas Longhorns. The Texas freaking Longhorns. Minus Chris Beard, no Chris Beard, interim head coach in Rodney Terry. I don't care. And by the way, I know Texas lost the other night to Texas Tech. I don't care that they went into a hostile road environment and lost on the road. Here's the bottom line. We are now three quarters of the way through Big 12 play. Texas is tied for first place in this league. And what I just like about them, they're just a veteran, no-nonsense team full of fifth, sixth, seventh-year college players. Marcus Carr, who I've criticized on this show, is playing like an All-American right now. 17 points, four assists per game, 40% three-point shooting. He has been incredible. I haven't looked at where the Big 12 player of the year picture is. It will probably go to Jalen Wilson from Kansas. But this guy's been unbelievable. Jabari Rice, the transfer from New Mexico State. Tough week at New Mexico State for people who have not seen that story. But the transfer from New Mexico State has been phenomenal. And then Timmy Allen, who was a transfer last year from Utah, just a tough, tough, tough veteran dude. But listen to what I just said. Marcus Carr is a sixth-year college player. Jabari Rice, as I said, spent four years at New Mexico State before coming to Texas this offseason. He played for a tournament team each of those seasons, obviously, except for 2020 when there was COVID. Uh, You look at Timmy Allen, as I said a minute ago, he is a fifth-year player, began his career at Utah, was an all-conference player at Utah. Now he's there, 23, 24, 25-year-old grown men. But most importantly, Marcus Carr is taking over games when you need to. 17 points per game, 40% from three-point shooting, 34% as a team. Not a great three-point shooting team, but good enough. The only concern with Texas, has the defense slipped just a little post-Chris Beard? They're not great defensively, but listen, I'm just telling you, if you're on, if it's February 15th and you're leading the Big 12, In the standings, you're doing something right. You're good enough to win a national championship. I have Texas at number two. At number one, the Alabama Crimson Tide. And I did the whole Alabama spiel on Monday show, so I'm not going to go through that whole thing again. What I would just say about Alabama, pretty straightforward. What I would say about Alabama, at their best, they're the best team in the country. Now, they play Tennessee tonight. There's a very good chance they could lose that game. On the road against a hungry Tennessee team that needs a win, They could lose that game. I'm not going to hold it against them if they do. But Alabama, they're great offensively. I talked about it. How about this? Top 20 in scoring on offense, but top 20 in field goal percentage on defense, top 20 in rebounding, top 20 in block shots. If you can get a team to be elite in scoring, rebounding, defense, block shots, and you shoot the three, there's not many teams that can beat you. Now, the big thing with Alabama is, of course, experience or lack thereof. Four of their top six scorers are freshmen. Um, Namari Burnett, another key player, has never played in the NCAA tournament. So they're really entering the tournament with a team that is light on tournament experience. But when you talk about a team that is good enough to potentially win it all, I think Alabama is absolutely there. Couple teams, by the way, that I did not mention. A lot of people would be surprised that Purdue is not in that mix. Going to get crushed if Purdue fans ever get a hold of this but I'm going to own it. Listen, this isn't an anti-Purdue thing, but one, we can pretend like the Big Ten is some amazing conference, but they haven't had tournament success over the last couple of years. And I think once you get past Purdue and maybe Indiana, how about my boy Mike Effin Woodson? You start to look and you start to realize there's not a lot of great teams and great opponents for Purdue in the conference. The most important thing with Purdue, I'm going to keep harping on it. They don't have great guards. Their guards are freshmen. When you have young guards that aren't John Wall, that aren't Derrick Rose, that aren't Tyus Jones, if you remember him from Duke, that aren't De'Aaron Fox, that aren't these upper, upper, upper level NBA guys, 
it's hard to win in the tournament. So one thing, if it's a fifth-year guy like Tiger Campbell at UCLA, it's one thing if it's a fifth-year guy like Adam Flagler at Baylor, it's one thing if it's Shabazz Napier or Kemba Walker, older players, but even Shabazz Napier, he was a fourth-year player who was a first-round pick the next year. I don't believe in Purdue's guards. I, I Like I said to begin this segment, I'm not saying they can't win the national championship. What I am saying is I do believe there's concerns. Same with Kansas. Will they get enough consistency from their guards? Virginia, can they score enough? I could go on and on. But those are my five teams that I believe are best built to win a national title in reverse order. Arizona at number five. Baylor at number four. UCLA at number three. Texas at number two. Alabama at number one. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Airtour Sports Podcast. It's time for me to get out of here. Before we do, I want to remind everybody, make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give me a quick five stars if you can, if you don't mind. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. It is time for me to get out of here. Shout out to Dorn Gray. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick. You F-head unblock me, bro. I'll be back Friday. New episode, Aaron Torres Pod with maybe a very special guest. We'll detail that. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.